I believe there's a hero in all of us. You have great powers, only some of which you have as yet discovered. I'm a superhero, my A real-life superhero. The world needs extraordinary. We will make you a superhero. Are you ready to become the hero? Initiating surprise in three. This, two, is one. The Real Brian Show. You know, it's time to chat voice acting and regular acting for video games and other assorted awesomeness as well as type 1 diabetes since it is Diabetes Awareness Month and we are finally, finally going to discover the top four things about the British that we as Americans have always wanted to know because Bad Kitty returns and Andrea Deck is with us. Let's rock it! Welcome to The Real Brian Show. Thanks for joining us today. So excited. And it is weird, though, with the Night Fox, you know, not being here. It's typical because normally he'd have some, you know, thing to say right now that, you know, no, no, something like that. So here I am. Uh, it's I don't know what to do. It's 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 like it's like, you know, you go outside and you're hanging out and you're doing your thing and you're in public and then you realize you forgot to put pants on. Wait, did I just... No, no. Okay, so as I mentioned today, Andrea Deck is with us. And, uh, wow, she has done a lot. And it's pretty cool, because as I mentioned, you know, she does some some voice acting. She does regular acting. Um, And as I also mentioned, too, she's got type 1 diabetes. Because it is Diabetes Awareness Month, we want to talk a little bit about that, because uh, it's really, really interesting. It's important. And she's got some very cool encouragement to share. Uh, as well as some really good stories. So stay tuned for that. And then, of course, uh, you know, just a little bit more about what she's done. She's acted in stuff like Les Mis, just recently The City and the City, as well as The Crown. We'll be talking about Alien Isolation, of course. Ghost Recon Wildlands, the new Star Wars Battlefront. I mean, just a a lot. Before we go any further today, though, two weeks ago, we had our Harry Potter episode, and I received an audio message from an owl this morning, so I I thought this was important to play. Real Brian, this is Dobby the Half-Self. Dobby heard that you were doing a Harry Potter special on your show, and Dobby was not invited. What an honour that would have been. Dobby's feelings have been forever hurt. Gosh, I feel horrible now. Dobby, please accept our apology. We should have had you on, and we didn't. You know how many people have actually contacted me and said, how come you didn't invite me on the show? If I had invited everybody on the show... First of all, I didn't know that half these people even liked Harry Potter to the level that they liked Harry Potter. Well, then they proceeded to tell me how much they actually are obsessed. Is that the right word? Obsessed with Harry Potter? That's that's the right word. Yeah. Obsessed, I think, is the right word. I would have had probably like 30 people on. Absolute, pure insanity. But Dobby, apologies. It would have been nice to have you on. Bad Kitty, welcome back to The Real Brian Show. It's good to be here. Oh, I love it. I love it, Brian. I, I love it. <laughs> I need that. I seriously need that sound effect on my phone. You do. Or you something. need to play it every time. Every time we're in the same state and we happen to, <laughs> you know, cross paths. You got to be ready, dude. You got to be ready. Somebody's like, yeah. wow. You know, I really liked Bad. I, I've had actually quite a few comments. People are like, wow, Bad Kitty was really cool. Bring him back. Y- yeah. I mean, what do you expect? <laughs> Come on. Totally I have humble. a name, by the way. My name is not actually on the birth certificate, Bad Kitty. That's not your legal name? That's my legal name. No. Oh, no my parents had a, a, a last second change of heart. That's disappointing, but, uh, man. Like, you know, well, you, you got to you, know, you got to change your name legally. Uh, uh, uh. Maybe not. Hey, I have good news. What's that? I had a pumpkin spice latte. No way. Yes, I did have a pumpkin spice latte. Finally, did you have to turn in your I, man card? Um, No, I was at an event and we stayed at a Holiday Inn Express and the Continental Breakfast had coffee. You know, the little half and half flavors. Yeah, they had pumpkin spice latte half and half cups. Wow. So I dumped a few of those in. I felt legit. It tasted great. The brew, whatever they were brewing, was outstanding. I want to say it was Maxwell House. That is so not right, man. I was like, it was great. No, I, no. absolute greatest. It's coffee for men. <laughs> it's like it's ground up dirt. It's, but that's what men eat. What, what are y'all eating, in Colorado? We have like real coffee out here, you know. Like men, we eat now. Waiting for somebody to come up with uh, marijuana coffee. Yeah, marijuana. Yeah, it's like it, it Mar- jacks Mar- you Java. up and relaxes you at the same time. Marijuana. I'm glad you experienced this. It was great. I, I, I thought of you. I enjoyed every sip. 
Good to the last drop. That's Folgers. <sighs> Andrea Deck, welcome to The Real Brian Show. Thanks for joining us. Hello. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here. Well, so you've got the beautiful voice. So I'm just going to let you talk for the next hour and we're just going to listen. Oh, heavens. I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know about that. You've got very beautiful voice. So I, I'm... <laughs> <laughs> we can we can chime in in harmony. Let's do that. There we go. Okay, so how did this all get connected? Somehow the two of you knew each other or met each other or something connect. I don't know the story. Okay, so I am a huge Alien fan from the original the original movie and you know this ring epic that you can see, you know, inspired things from Alien and whatnot. Yeah. And so uh, they came out with a video game called Alien Isolation which I flipping loved. I think it's 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 one of my <laughs> favorite all-time games. It was fantastic. I do a lot of work with voice actors and full-fledged audiobooks and, and whatnot. I like to see what voice actors are up to for things that I enjoy. And so looked up Andrea and followed her for a while and then saw that she posted about type 1 diabetes. And I was like, that's great. Not because I'm a jerk and I want her to have type 1 diabetes, <laughs> but because my wife has type 1 diabetes. Mm -hmm. And so anytime I find someone who is in entertainment and has a platform and is an advocate for uh, anything, but especially when it hits home, I was like, man, this is this is too good to pass up. So I, uh, I dropped her a message and she was all about coming on and bam. Yeah. I love it. Well, I appreciate you being here and taking time too. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, are you talking to me or to Oh, yes. To you. Kitty? To you, Andrea. My time is I, valuable too now. now. <laughs> Shall I call you Bad Kitty? Yeah, well, we need a name for so, you, Andrea. Well, you know what? Yeah. I really want Bad Kitty now, but that's taken. <laughs> so I feel like it should be sort of. Sorry. Let me tell you, there was a high demand for Bad Kitty. I just happened to. To yeah. legally change it. So what's yours, Andrea? <laughs> I'm thinking about going with something along the lines of sassy octopus. Ooh, sassy octopus. Sassy octopus. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. I just It just came to me, and I'm just sort of rolling with it. I like okay. that. Okay. Sassy octopus. Yeah, all right. Octopus. Bad Kitty and the Sassy Octopus sounds like a band name. <laughs> sounds like yeah. that or it sounds like something a little off beat um <laughs> let's not even go there oh my gosh yeah That's we're bad kitty and sassy octopus let's rock you know i was gonna Hold say on. something because you played you know ripley in alien you could be the talented miss ripley but that i like sassy uh, octopus that, better That's i, I kind of dig in sassy octopus i yeah. kind of like That's that a lot more clever, though. I do. I like Brian, and, and I should have said that one. So if we could just edit it out and let's go with that. <laughs> you call me whatever you like and I will respond. We'll just be like sassy. That's what you got to do. You got to say it that way, oh. though. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I can't do that. This. I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> Oh, well, Andrea, I, I feel like I already know you because, you know, I've I've played Alien Isolation and I've played Ghost Recon Wildlands. Wet and his pants. He wet his pants. Oh, man. And, and, and one of my friends plays the female nomad and I'm like, oh, I already know you. I know your voice. Yeah. <laughs> well, so I mean, cool. if you've heard my voice, there's really no point because that's exactly what I am in real life. Exactly. Just, we don't even need to like, like yeah, I don't even need to know anything else about you. You could just splice my voice from the game. Yeah. Gotta ask you this though. How did you gasp so realistically in that game? You know what? Did somebody scare I, you? No one scared me per se. I think if you could see inside a voice recording studio, you'd be amazed at the sort of physical contortions that actors do. I don't even know if actors do it because you're always in the booth alone. So you don't really see other people, what they do to produce the sounds. Yeah. But I go through all sorts of physical contortions or... You can't punch your stomach because that will be hurtful to your physiology and that's not <laughs> advisable. Yeah. But, you know, it putting like pressure on your stomach to get certain sounds, you know, there's the old chestnut of just imagining scary things and going for it. Mm -hmm. But then a lot of it is just very technical. And then when it's placed into a game that's so beautifully crafted as Alien, it makes you as the actor look really good. Yeah. <laughs> There's a gasp in that game that freaked Brian out because he's yeah. been he's been getting into it and playing it and going forward. And I got to actually watch him a little bit do a streaming thing. And I think he's gotten to the alien by this point. But uh, yeah, there was a gas that freaked me the hell out. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, well, because awesome. we, we were connected over Skype. And so he was listening to me, but he was also I, we found out that you can broadcast your game on Steam. Anybody can oh, watch it if you're I a friend heard or whatever. Of this. Yeah. And so yeah, you yeah, get to yeah. experience the sounds and the, the whole game in and of itself. Plus that. <laughs> it was a funny moment. 
I kind of joke around because for me, November is sci-fi November. I still can't explain why. I don't know what it is, but it's just like, I don't know. Something about November just screams sci-fi. You've decided it. Yes, exactly. So you I know, like your style. That's a fun little thing we do. You know, Thanksgiving is coming soon for us. <laughs> Lee, what are some of your traditions for Thanksgiving? I mean, are you, what do you guys eat? What do you do? What's? Oh, I love it. Turkey. Oh, sometimes I'll fry a turkey. Oh, it's so good. I've mm. heard that. Fantastic. Oh, it's a Southern thing. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> it's great. It is great. So sometimes we'll fry a turkey. Uh, all the regular fixing um, with our cranberry sauce and, and sweet potato casserole is my thing. I love it. I could eat that mm. all year. So, I mean, we just get together. The family sits around a big table and we have a, an awesome Thanksgiving. This year will be a little different because we're having a baby the day after Thanksgiving or oh possibly gosh. Thanksgiving. So um, <laughs> oh. I'll be having a hospital turkey portion Ooh, tofurkey so, yeah, yeah yeah so i'm really i'm really excited about not doing that typically we will sit around the table and have a good old americana americana thanksgiving you know? mm, that's awesome oh, i love it so andrea what do you do for thanksgiving in the uk like i mean do you do anything at all do you have your own version of something out there i mean what's i'm not i'm not necessarily the rule to to what americans do that live in in england or mm-hmm. or abroad but I love Thanksgiving and I miss being able to spend it with my family Yeah, because I think it's such, it's such a gorgeous holiday that just, you know, you have all those cozy feelings and it's the lead up to Christmas and it's an excuse to just absolutely stuff your face, which I am all about. (laughs) I get my friends, my favorite people, Mm -hmm. I have them over to my place. We do Thanksgiving and I sort of try to to align the menu as closely as what like I would have with, you know, my family, mm-hmm. but some stuff isn't available to get and whatnot. And part of the fun of Thanksgiving is everyone chipping in. Yeah. So oftentimes I'll just tell my friends to bring something that they, you know, that they really love, that they really want to eat, that they really want to share the recipe of. And, and they come over and we eat and we play games and like, I'm a bit of a like cheesy romantic gal so i love when people well i love the tradition of going around the table and saying what you're thankful for nice i just think it's top notch and even my english friends who are the the english reserve is a real thing but even my english friends that have the english reserve do love a bit of going around and saying what they're thankful for. <laughs> I feel like I bring a little bit of Pollyanna over to the UK and that's just fine by me. That's awesome. Uh, I like yeah. the way you do that. We do a very similar thing too. you know, the whole saying, whether you're thankful for, I think that's good, yeah. but you're yeah. right. It is kind of almost the gateway to Christmas time, you know, and you know, for some reason here, I mean, I'm already seeing Christmas advertisements as of Halloween. I was seeing these, these advertisements for Christmas already. And it's like, here you go, you know, celebrate the holidays, snow, Christmas, candy cans. I'm like, oh my gosh, we just skip over Thanksgiving. And I have, I really love Thanksgiving. It's such a great time. I do too. I mean, I also love Christmas. Yeah. So I sort of ride the fence on this one because I'm kind of like, oh my goodness gracious, just bring all of it at once. And I don't even care. I want to see the tree. I want to see everyone eating Thanksgiving dinner. I I just want to see it all like for a good, you know, I would probably have a tree up year round if I could. You know, you Um, could. Some people in the South do that. Yeah. Really? (laughs) Not necessarily a good thing. (laughs) (laughs) See, I think probably if I lived in the South and had a Southern size you know, house, I could do that. Whereas in England and in London, especially where you end up living is, you know, no bigger than a shoebox sometimes. So the whole tree being up situation is testy even during the holiday season. So I don't know (laughs) if I could, if I could give away that real estate in my house. I know what you mean about Christmas and Thanksgiving and, but it does come a bit early and as of Halloween, I mean, that's crazy. Oh my gosh. That is crazy. Yeah. A little too early for me. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Speaking okay. of your life in the UK, I came across a poll recently from a uh, a very legitimate website, a poll of 400 scientific Americans, and they wanted to know the top four questions that people want to know about life in Britain. Oh wow! So okay, I'm so interested. This, this is a great chance to learn a little culture from someone who is is American in Britain and living there by choice. Is it by choice or by were you kidnapped? Or <laughs> I, I was kidnapped initially. 
okay. but then by choice after. So it's um, a mix of both. I gotcha. So but hang on, you're putting me on the spot here saying you want me to bring some culture because, yes. you know, that's assuming I'm just dripping with culture over here. Well, But you're an observer who gets to look and view and, and explain to us why they're so weird. <laughs> oh, let me let me do my very best. Here we go. I did not make them up. And no offense to our UK I, listeners, by the way. <laughs> no, 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 no. We think you're prefacing this so like strongly that I'm I'm sort of anticipating a yeah. few. Uh, here, here we go. And I don't these even are, know the questions. I'm totally going to be surprised pulled, here too. So these are smart Americans, and this is what they said. These are top four questions. One, on an average, how many times a day do you hear the word poppycock? <laughs> That'd be never on average. What? Not. I hear Codswallow, but I don't hear poppycock ever either. Was that kind of an old thing? I think poppycock is like that's preposterous. Like, oh, rubbish. Sort of yeah. Rubbish. That's that's one you hear more often. I wish I was hearing poppycock on average a, at least fifteen times a day. Like that would that would just it would be so British. Happiness yeah. Happiness so- up so high. But yeah, poppycock's just not one in the in that's, the daily vocab here. That's going to surprise some folks. I'm willing to bet there are a lot of listeners right now who can't believe what they just heard. But you heard oh, it here man. first. Man, right. I almost feel bad. What, what's Question. the number one word you hear out there? If you can repeat it, that is. Can you say it? It's <laughs> <laughs> a dangerous question. Uh, bloody. bloody- not so much. Bloody almost is a bit naughty sometimes really? to say. It's so strong. It's it's not. A, I wouldn't say it's a swear word necessarily, but it comes with a strong connotation that isn't necessarily um, called for hmm. all the time. So here's question two. Okay. This is, this is a popular question, hence why it's uh it's two. Okay. Um, in the hierarchy of British condiments, how high is Grey Poupon? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, okay. Really? First of all, isn't Grey Poupon French? But the guy in the commercials <laughs> British. <laughs> I think so she's not. Guy let's, in the let's. That guy was British, and his okay. friend was British. I mean, if no British person uses Grey Poupon, I'm going to feel lied to again. They do sell Grey Poupon in the stores. Poupon is just such a ridiculous word. I feel so funny <laughs> saying. But there is such a thing as English mustard. That's quite high up. Perhaps some real English people wouldn't buy the Grey Poupon. They'd buy the English mustard. Interesting. <laughs> you know what I think uh, is funny is, is hearing it from your perspective as an American in the UK. You yeah. Kind of like how you view it out there. <laughs> Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. Well, I, I got to say the answers are very disappointing so far. In here. <laughs> it's, it's not your fault, though. <laughs> Apologies. <laughs> so question three, how long can you sing in Britain, Yankee Doodle, before someone punches you in the face? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Does anybody I, even I, sing I, Yankee Doodle anymore? I would if I was there. I'd all the time. It'd be my ringtone. Oh, man, you'd be so disrespectful. Come on. Oh, my gosh. Well, have you tried this? This would be a shot in the dark because I have not done this. I guess you should try it. Well, I feel like I'm going to have to do it and then update you. But seeing as the consequence could be being punched in the face, I question whether I should. I think it would depend on the area you're in because, you know, we have a lot of colorful people on the streets of London. And got to say, some of this behavior that you're describing wouldn't come is very shocking. But let's say you're outside. Let's put it like this. You, let's say you're outside Buckingham Palace. I'm going to put it at under a minute. Under, under a minute. Wow. Under a minute. Wow. I thought they'd be a little more reserved than that. You've asked me for it. I'm, I'm just giving you a shot in the dark, but I feel well, like. And I'm, I'm going to take it as fact. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that is. That is. Ec- that's most excellent. This should be an easy one to answer. This is number four. What aspect of Americanism do the British most mock? Oh. Oh, this one's kind of easy. Fashion would be among the top five. And none of this I condone, but I'm just saying from an outside perspective of what I've seen. I think number one by far and away would be the volume at which Americans speak 
compared oh. to the English sort of what? just above a whisper <laughs> standard. We're I know. Loud. Oh my Poppy god! <laughs> Bloody yeah. no wait no, can't even Poppy use it. Cock. Yeah. Bloody poppycock? Would that work? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I, well, I speak loud because I'm an extroverted personality. I'm an enthusiast, according Amazingly, to the Enneagram. Amazingly, I'm an introvert. I completely agree. <laughs> and and I, I speak loud because I obviously need to be heard yes. by all persons. Yeah. Because it's just that important, what I got to say. Dude, so with you on that one. I am so okay. with you. Yeah. Oh, great. I mean, th- I, you know, I'm glad we can all agree on the fact that we need to be heard. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I think, I think we're definitely all in the right place. Yes. Right now. Then. Well, I think you have cleared up so much that people wanted to know. Yeah. I, I thank you for That's answering those questions. Of the public yes. service we've done today. Here. Oh, my God. It, it really is. It really is. Cultural you know? awareness at its finest. Yes. Yeah. Besides all of the cool things that you're doing. What do you nerd out about? I mean, what what do you enjoy doing on your own? I really geek out about just like organization. Oh. <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, that is geekville. What is that? USA. I know nothing about. <laughs> what do I geek out about? I mean, I geek out about all the sort of all the all the standard things, I suppose. Like, you know, I love me some binge watching Netflix. Mm-hmm. I'm currently watching season two of Stranger Things. Yes. Um, yes. We are too. Yes. Are you guys? Yes. I'm into my fitness. Nice. I'm into health stuff. A lot of the health stuff is born out of being diabetic, but mm-hmm. also just because I kind of have an interest in that. I think if I wasn't an actor, I would like to definitely be something in the sort of health and wellness industry. So that really catches my fancy. Nice. See, what else was I you, you'd love yeah. this show then. I mean, like this is what we're all over the place on this show because that's the way it goes. But I mean, we've talked about health stuff. We've talked about, you know, stranger things, you know, one of the, oh, yeah. 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 No, I know. Cause I listened to a couple episodes, <laughs> you know, Yeah. And, and there was one you were talking even about like ketogenic diet, I mm, think. Or yeah, one. yeah. I love stuff like that. I don't know. I love going to the theater. Oh yeah. I mean, being in London, you're you're so spoiled for choice in terms of all of that. Really, though, what I love to do is watch musicals. I'm oh, like cool. the biggest musicals fiend. I used to fake sick to stay home to watch Grease and Hello Dolly, the videotape. So musicals is a biggie for me. Yeah, I used to I used to play in musicals, and we man, I remember we we would all the big big groups would go to musicals all the time. Uh, we haven't gone to as many lately, though. It's like I don't know why. We just started getting back into going to basketball games recently, um, and I was Great. like, why do we stop going to basketball games? This is so much fun. And but I'm just one of those people that likes to get out and experience. Yeah. You know, like you mentioned theater too, and people are like, ah, oh, you know, I could like if it's a movie, I can just stay home and watch it. Or, you know, going to the, the theater by yourself, which I'm going, you know, that's that's fine. But I like to go with people. The whole point is it's an experience and it's with the group. But that's me. Totally. No, to- <laughs> I totally agree. Totally I agree. Totally agree. Oh. It's poppycock to go on your own. <laughs> it's bloody fantastic. <laughs> we have to talk about your voice acting uh, and what's okay. it like, you know, because I hear these voices because I'm a, I'm a nerd. I'm a gamer. Mm hmm. Um, I'm always fascinated by the voice actors. Always listen very closely to what they do and how they do it. And it's just so much fun. So I'm curious about it. Just talk about it. I came to London to study acting. That was my thing. I went to a drama school called Lambda, London Academy of Music and Dramatic Art. Mm -hmm. Graduated from there. And I knew nothing about, I knew about classical, not just classical, but I knew mostly about stage acting, tiny bit about TV film tiny bit. I think maybe we had a two hour course in voice acting, which was so much fun, but it was also so short lived that it it just seemed like a bit of fun. It didn't seem like a real thing that people do. I think sort of a variety of things happened. Being that I'm an American in London, I have a genuine American accent, Mm -hmm. which the gaming studios love because that means that you can't throw anything at a genuine American and it's always going to come out American. So you can improvise, you can ask them to change a line to this, to that, the other. They feel very safe in your hands because your your accent is actually American. Mm -hmm. Whereas if they cast a Brit, 
there is a bit of fear, which oftentimes is totally unfounded because there's there are some incredible American accents that Brits do. So yeah, yeah. After I graduated from Lambda, I went into a few of these castings for video games that I think I just got because I was American. I got those jobs and I started working with a few companies more and more, and it just snowballed from there. And I think the one thing that's really awesome about the voiceover gaming voice kind of community is that it's so loyal when people work well together, the companies just try to not necessarily replicate that, but encourage that. So if somebody works hard, is fun to work with. Let me just describe myself for a second. No, it's, <laughs> it's, I just realized I was getting myself into a bit of a, a bit of a silly one there. But like, if you're cool to work with and you're good banter and you have good fun, you tend to get hired again and again and again. And then it just kind of snowballs from there. But it's not hard to be all those things in this industry because the people you end up working with, the writers, the directors, everyone is just, I really haven't come across a bad apple yet. I've worked with Mm -hmm. a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Some can be more demanding than others, everything like that. And Mm -hmm. I completely respect this is something they've worked on for years leading up to you being in the studio. So when people, that's exciting when they really feel strongly about what they want. and But also it's extremely collaborative work. Like with Alien, for example, they were constantly asking me, okay, what would you do here? What would, you know, what do you think? What, and and I, could, I could easily throw lines in and say, no, 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 it, it would be like this, or she'd mm-hmm. be like that, or I feel like this isn't right. It's very cool, collaborative work when you when you click you just click so i think it'd be so much fun to do that too and i I, that's it's neat to hear that there's no ego in (sighs) the voice act that's not to say like oh god the ego is so bad in film and tv but it's just extremely different because it's all about kind of your voice and and your personality within your voice you can literally rock up in your pajamas and nobody's (laughs) ever gonna know yeah so a lot of that ego of like that can come with acting. It doesn't always have to, but it can come. That just is, is totally, totally non-existent, which is so fun too. It's awesome. Yeah. So speaking of alien isolation, walk us through, how did you end up getting that opportunity? What did you have to do or, or you know, how did that, that particular connection work out in your favor? Maybe two years before I started recording the actual game, I did a demo with the company. And that was literally just so they could hear a voice in the game in some sort of trial footage, I guess, or something like that. And just sort of see whether this game had, had legs to stand on. I just did that. I did a couple hours on it. It was really fun, but you know, it was a short lived thing and, and they went off and they had their demo and, and that was that. And then about two years later from that, they called me in and asked me to test for it, I think they called. I'm not quite sure, but yeah. like So basically you go in and you work with the producers, you work with the writers, you work with the, the potential directors, because I don't think they had a, a solid director on board at that time or an official. So I went in and did that and it was like, I didn't even really realize what I was going in for. I was like, oh, it's this again. Oh, okay, cool. And then that was that. And then I left and, and I got the job. And then I, you know, recorded on it for like probably about two years off and on. But it was all kind of low key considering what it's become after the fact. That's so cool. It's such an outstanding game from from one into the other. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah. So I I told you this before uh, when I first reached out to you, how impressed I was at this this whole product. But, Mm. um, God, you did outstanding with it. If If you're out there and you appreciate Alien and what that first movie did. Brian, you're playing it now. Is it not a step back in time to like oh, late yeah. 70s style? I mean, it's just incredible. Well, and that's the thing I like about it is that, you know, a lot of the new games are trying to be too flashy. They don't have good story. They don't have, you know, the, the true thrill factor or they're all about the money. What, what is the biggest thing that most games do now? Repetition. And, and it's all yeah. to grind to get a new whatever, a new weapon or a new piece of armor, or a new whatever. Uh, and all totally. you're doing is just repeating and repeating and grinding. And that is the one thing that I am so tired of video games nowadays. Yeah. Give me a story. Give me something new and give me something unique or uh, what's the word like not not creative, but original. And I yeah. think that's yeah. the one thing is going back to that time of the story right after the first alien movie. 
of what made this whole thing popular in the first place. And we're going to expand on that. I love that. Yeah. I would want, I really want atmosphere, like really strong atmosphere that you can immerse yourself into because that's what's so awesome about games is you get to be in that world Mm -hmm. and that's what makes them addictive and sometimes unhealthy perhaps, (laughs) but also like really, really fun. It's, it's like true escapism. Yeah. And I think they did that so brilliantly in Alien. It's just, it's a touchstone for people that know the movie and, and, and are just can be thrown back into that atmosphere. But then people that don't even know the movie or haven't even seen it, you know, it has an immediate quality and the music was, it was so important mm-hmm. in the, mm-hmm. in the game as well. I think. Yeah. You can tell us a little bit about your acting as well, but I'm kind of curious to know also like what you right now, what do you enjoy more? What are you trying to get more into? I've just been in a mix of Liverpool and Manchester filming a BBC series, which is going to be coming out, I think, in February here. I'm not sure when it will come out in the States. Mm -hmm. But so I haven't been doing loads of voice acting recently because I've been on that project and been on that for about five months, I would say, off and on. It's so difficult to say, oh, what do you want to do more? What do you want to like to focus more on? I want to do it all, you know, so you enjoy like, both. I enjoy both. Absolutely. Awesome. And I, I love acting for camera. Mm-hmm. I love stage, but it's very different on the stage. You have to, you have to be big enough for people in the top back rows to be able to read your, what you're feeling. Yeah. Whereas acting for film, the camera's right there and it can see everything and it can see the lack of things too. So you have to be so present in your eyes and and in your body and your physicality, everything. Even though you're not being seen in the voice acting world, you have to have all those same qualities, which is why I love that just equally. You can hear it when it, when a voice is not engaged with the rest of the body. It yeah. sounds dead. And if you're not emotionally invested, that also comes across, I think. That brings up a question I have is that it might have been last week, too. But we were talking about how like some Disney movies, for example, uh, and they're not all Disney. They're just animated. Let's go with animated. You hear certain people and they're supposed to play a normal character, normal human being. And mm-hmm. I feel like their voices are so exaggerated, so overacted that it's almost annoying because I get trying. I mean, obviously I do this too. You know, like you have to emphasize your body language because there is no physical body language. So yeah. you have to showcase that through your voice. Um, so, you know, you're, you're doing a little bit more than you might in person maybe, but it's not that you're overacting or exaggerating everything so much that it sounds unrealistic. And I, and, you know, going back to like video games, for example, where you have mm-hmm. people who will play different a different species or a different race or whatever. And so therefore you have to do it a little differently because it's not a human. So I think, you know, that makes a lot of sense, but even within that, it doesn't feel overacted. It feels like it's playing the part or it's playing the character properly based on like, wow, that that character sounds cocky and they do a good job sounding like that. So I'm curious, like where does this overacting come from? You didn't do any of that. I didn't, I mean, I, I haven't noticed anything from your voice acting. So have you experienced that? Has anybody ever I mean, it'd be total lie to say, oh, I've never overacted in my life. Of course I've overacted in my life. (laughs) But I think, think, of course, I spent my whole childhood doing it for sure. Um, (laughs) I've done it too, so yeah, I know. (laughs) It comes across as overacting because there's nothing behind it. I remember I used to get, I mean, that's, yeah, that sounds a bit judgy. No, 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 but that's a good point. That's a good point, yeah. I remember being told, someone told me like, Yo, you have to bring everything down on camera. It has to be small. And yes, technically, if you're in an extreme close-up and you whip your head around, this doesn't read on camera. Mm. However, personality and things like that, if they're all plugged in and coming from a true place and working, I genuinely believe you can be as big as you desire if it's genuine. So think Mm. about watching like home movies and everybody has their own personality and some are small and some are big and, and there are kids hopping around and whatnot, but it's all real, isn't it? You don't go around on a home movie and say, oh, that kid's overacting. No, because you're just catching moments. Yeah. I really think the same can be applied for acting that you, it just has to be so invested and so injected with 
reality and commitment and the development of a character. That makes sense because I, I think you're right. It's not that the it's not that you can't be a big personality. I've been accused of being a big personality too, just because that's that's who I am. But sure. there's definitely a place where I can go over the top. You know, like I had way too much caffeine, or I'm a little out of control because I'm hyper or whatever. You know, and that's just sure. a maturity issue. Is that the real me? Uh, maybe, maybe not. You know, it depends on how much. I know this like through radio, of course, because I, I was in radio before doing all this. And oh, my gosh, some of those guys would be like, hey, welcome. And they changed their voice. And it was it sounded like a used car, you know. Yeah, <laughs> it was something just a so, bit, yeah, something a touch smarmy about it. It just wasn't <laughs> natural. I, and maybe that's what yeah. it wasn't. I like what you said. It wasn't genuine. Uh, and maybe that's what I've heard in some of these animated movies is that, you know, you hear this person acting and you're going, that doesn't sound natural or genuine. All this being said, sometimes things just don't translate in the final product. Sure, sure. And you're just like, well, crap. Yeah. That <laughs> come across. That doesn't fit. Oh, yeah. oh, I got screwed up in the edit. That yeah. wasn't what I intended. You know, all those things happen. But yeah, I'm, I'm a big believer in just trying the absolute darndest to make a character as fully fleshed as possible. I love that. You've done all this incredible voice work, but you've used it in a fantastic way in that you are an advocate, used it as a platform to talk about type 1 diabetes. As I mentioned earlier, it's so important uh, to me. Uh, my wife got diagnosed with type 1 when she was 16, You know, has been living with that for a while, and it's something that affects so many people. I don't think people realize how many people diabetes affects. A statistic is that it kills four times more people every single year than breast cancer and AIDS combined. For those who aren't as familiar uh, with type one as I know you and I are, Andrea, what is type one? How is it different from type two? Basically, type one is when your body attacks itself and destroys the insulin making part of your pancreas. So you can no longer produce insulin, which means I can't unlock the glucose in foods and use it as fuel for my body. That's what insulin does. Now, people with type two they produce the insulin, but either their diet or their, it's a far more lifestyle thing, type mm-hmm. 2 is, which is why in some ways diabetics get a bad rap because a lot of type 2s, and this is not exclusive, but a lot of type 2s have maybe more unhealthy lifestyle or overweight, and that's what's brought on the disease, which means they can't make use of the insulin that their pancreas is creating. Their pancreas is creating insulin. Their sensitivity is down because of diet, exercise, et cetera, et cetera. Whereas with type 1s, you don't produce insulin at all. It has nothing to do with your inability to utilize insulin. You don't produce insulin. Your body has attacked itself and destroyed that part of your pancreas. I kept getting things like, oh, Andrea, you're, you're a diabetic. You're not fat. Oh, you must have been fat when you were diagnosed. Oh, wow. First of all, that's just an extremely rude thing to say, no matter who you're talking to, no matter what. I think that's just out of line. But then I sort of thought, well, hang on, you you have actually no idea what's going on here. Oh, no, don't don't have that piece of cake. Don't have that cookie. You can't because you are diabetic. Well, you know, you can because you take insulin for whatever you eat. So you have the choice to eat whatever the heck you want. And I hate coming down hard on these types of comments that are being made because I think they come from genuinely a caring place, but they come from a place of of just ignorance. Mm -hmm. And I also think type 2 diabetes is more of a money-making item. It's more of a hot-button topic. It's Of all diabetics, 9% are type 1, and the other 91 are type 2. Wow. In September, I started on an insulin pump and it kind of changed my life mm-hmm. because before I was doing um, multiple daily injections, that That's rough. It, I didn't so mind the injections, but I'm, I'm a really petite gal so I'm, and I'm very insulin sensitive. I would be, you know, injecting one or two units and that would just be way too much for my body. Whereas once I got hooked up with the pump, you can do it by you know, 0.05 units of insulin. That's how fine-tuned the administration of insulin can be with an insulin pump as opposed to with the injections. You know, you really, you have to give yourself kind of a big lug in one go. 
and it's not big for, for a lot of people, but for my body, for the way I process the insulin that I'm putting in, it was too big for me. And I was ending up going, getting low blood sugar quite a bit and was really battling that, which made everything worse. Whereas with the pump, it's kind of changed my life and it's taken out all those low blood sugar incidences. Just kind of feel like I have my life back in a weird way. So then I find myself wearing this insulin pump, which is a little thing that kind of looks like a beeper. And a lot of people didn't know what it was, were curious. I was like, I'm so proud of this thing because it's given me so much freedom and has allowed me to better control. It's not perfect, but better control my disease. So I'm so proud of this thing. I just want to shout it from the rooftops and tell people about it. I could do it on Instagram. I could take photos with my pump. I could take photos you know, in, in nice outfits. So you kind of smash these two worlds of a normal looking girl with diabetes. I think that challenges the status quo, which was, which was my whole goal starting to post and, and still is. So what was it like for you emotionally when you got diagnosed? And, and when was it, by the way, what, what age were you? I was 15 and a half when I got diagnosed. Mm-hmm. I think it's never an easy time, but that was a particularly difficult time for me. I was right smack dab in the middle of puberty. When you're becoming a type one diabetic, you start losing loads of weight because your body can't make use of the food that you're putting, mm. putting in yeah. because basically you're urinating out all the nutrients and sugar and everything. You're going to the bathroom all the time. You know, you, mm. you constantly, you're drinking so much water because you're so thirsty because you're so dehydrated. Mm. Emotionally, it was difficult. You're sort of in this, this period of change with your body. You're like an awkward sort of teenager. And then this is all happening. And a lot of people thought I was anorexic oh. because I had lost so much weight in such a short amount of time. And that came with its own, not that I was bullied, but, you know, I was definitely treated strangely because people thought I was anorexic and I don't think you should treat anyone strangely. But then I got diagnosed. When I got diagnosed, I had to go into the hospital for about two weeks to learn the whole thing. You know, you're suddenly given needles and bottles of insulin and you just kind of have to, you have to count your carbs and count all all the food that's going into your body. And it was quite traumatizing really because your world just changes overnight. And then you have to be so obsessed with food and planning what you were going to eat. And it created some, some issues with food that I have since dealt with. There's a real issue with, with obsession with food and eating and control and all those stuffs because you're encouraged, that behavior is encouraged to keep you alive. And you need to have that to keep you alive when you're a diabetic because you need to know what's going into your body and what you need to inject and how to balance it and all that stuff. And and that's like being on an island where you are just so isolated. That's been another big push for why I wanted to speak out about it on my Instagram anyone that's diabetic or newly diagnosed, I'm like, oh my God, let me talk to you. Let me talk to you. Let me tell you about what it's really like, because I think doctors really do their best, but I think there's a lot of perfectionism expected and encouraged. Mm. And this is not a disease where you can achieve perfection. You're not going to achieve the perfect blood sugar, the perfect balance with what you eat. That doesn't exist. You can manage the disease. You can manage it and you can manage it sometimes better than others, but it's about managing it. I like that you said there's no perfect way to fix it because I think that goes for just about anything that, you know, either you get diagnosed with or you experience, you know, even if it's like an injury or something like that, sometimes there is no way to quote fix it, but there's definitely ways to manage it physically and emotionally. I think one of the biggest struggles that that I see in general, even stuff I've gone through, you know, with my own issues people not knowing how to relate to you, which, you know, you've already kind of touched on that. It is a real problem. And I wish people would in general, I wish people would not try to say something that they would step back and ask questions, you know, say, well, what, what yeah. are you going through? And you know, how can I help if I can, you know, or like, you know, you, you see someone that, that loses a loved one or a, a close one or whatever, and yeah. people just don't say anything at all. Well, I didn't know what to say, so I just abandoned that person. <laughs> I'm like, well, that yeah, doesn't help either. Yeah, yeah, so, I know. Yeah, I know. So much that goes into this that you need that support, you need that 
encouragement, but then you also need the actual, you know, logistic help. Here's what I can do to manage it. We'll keep experimenting until we get it as close to, you know, excellent as possible. I'm sure there's other lifestyle changes. Is there anything else that, you know, you've had to do or that you even recommend, you know, when you share it with people to say, hey, this actually has helped me. Thing is, it's such a personal disease that what works for me may not work for someone else. Um, I'm really, I'm really into my fitness. I exercise like at least six times a week. Um, But I I love that too. Mm -hmm. So I eat a plant-based diet. So Mm. it's basically vegan, but with a lot of the oils removed and replaced with nuts and seeds and high fat, naturally occurring foods, Mm. loads of veg, loads of fruit. I've sort of recently adopted that because I was having a lot of issues with my insulin sensitivity. It would be really high one day, really low the next day. And I sort of started looking more and more into it. I watched a documentary called Forks Over Knives, Mm -hmm. which had a huge influence on on my going plant-based. And then started doing some research. There's these guys called that run a thing called Mastering Diabetes. Mm. And they talk about this plant-based diet and how it can help sort of steady out your blood sugars. So I tried that out and it has been awesome for me. There, there's a lot of research that's been done that has found the same sort of things that I've found through it personally that, you know, is good for insulin sensitivity and balancing things out. But I would never dream of telling someone, oh no, you, this is the only way and you have to do this and you have to do that. First of all, I'm not that type of person. I don't think anybody likes to be told, <laughs> no, you know, never, yeah. they should do this and they should do that. So when people ask questions, it's fantastic. And I love to answer them yeah. because it takes bravery to ask questions. Yeah. And in the same respect, I try to be patient with people that do make the comments like, oh, you must have been really fat. I try to be patient with those people because yeah. it's kind of a golden opportunity to say, no, I wasn't. But you know what? This is a thing. You know what you're thinking of. You're thinking of more a type two diabetic. I mean, that is challenging because sometimes it's like you said, it's very frustrating and it can be even hurtful or discouraging depending on the comments, you know. Sure. Um, but yeah. I'm glad you're able to choose that response because that's not an easy response, you know, when people assume something that's not true and you're just like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah, I appreciate I know. that. You know, with what you're doing on Instagram, using your platform, et cetera, I'm assuming that you have seen some awesome stories come from this, from helping people specifically. Yes. So many awesome stories. I never really knew about this community until I got my insulin pump. And I was sort of looking, I was just trolling the internet trying to figure out how do people wear these things and how do girls wear them when they're wearing a dress and where do you hide <laughs> it? And what, you, know, you know, what do you do? And, and then I started getting into the whole plant-based thing and I found sort of this community and these people that were speaking out very honestly about what it's like to live with diabetes, type 1 diabetes. And I found that so brave and so refreshing. People saying, oh my God, I'm really stressed today. Look at what my blood sugar is. And then a picture of their glucose monitor mm. with a high number on it. And it's just very realistic depictions, the good, the bad, and the ugly. I got really into it and really obsessed with finding these people and following them because I felt like all of a sudden I had people that I could relate to. Nice. Isn't that what we all want though, is like a real community of people that we can relate to somehow? Because I mean, isn't social media just about how awesome we look and how awesome we are? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) totally. Yeah. I I posted this one photo that showed where the insulin pump goes in as well as the insulin pump on my belt. Yeah. And I just thought, yeah, I could hide this in this photo, but why not actually have it featured in the photo and then talk about it? I think a lot of people, a lot of people are doing that on okay. social media, to be fair, yeah. but a lot of the majority of people are not yeah. Um, yeah. and sort of trying to, to hide or apologize the, the realness of, or apologize for the realness of their life. And oh, I think yeah. the more we do that, the more we lose who we are as human beings. It's so uninteresting in a lot of ways because you're yeah. just not seeing the whole of it of a person. Yeah. You know, you're we just talking about last week about personality. And I, as I was saying last week, so many people have tried to fit me into their boxes. I've done exactly what you just said. I've personally, I've been apologizing for who I am for most of my life. 
And it wasn't until just recently that I went, oh my gosh, why am I apologizing? Like I need just need to be me and embrace it. And if they don't like it, oh, well, <laughs> you know, the people that like it are the ones that matter. Amen. Yes. I think that brings me so much joy to hear that you are now expressing yourself fully and yeah. living your best life to say. Well, thanks for sharing all of this. This is very powerful and so encouraging that you are one that you're managing it in a healthy manner and that you're encouraging others and you've connected with us. I think that's awesome. That's what everybody needs. We all need to, you know, connect with each other and help each other and encourage each other. Cause you know, life is not always easy. Of course I would say yeah. most of the time it's not. <laughs> yeah. it is, there's something wrong, but, yeah. <laughs> I would agree with that, yeah. but, but it's good. I mean, nothing good is easy, right? Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. Nothing worth doing comes easy. Yeah, yeah exactly. But- Andrea, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Well, no, I'm sorry. Sassy octopus. That was- <laughs> yeah, please. Would you get it right? <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> you, you know, you need to change your, all your social media handles to that. That'll be awesome. Listen, I'm in the process <laughs> of doing it right now. <laughs> oh my gosh. How do we get in touch with you and find out what you're doing? You mentioned your Instagram, all of that good stuff. The place that I'm most active is definitely Instagram. It's just my name, Andrea, with a G in the middle, Deck. So Andrea G. Deck is my handle, or you can find me by searching Andrea Deck on Instagram. Okay. Andrea G. Deck. Perfect. Yeah. Well, Andrea, thank you so much for joining us. And Bad Kitty, thanks for being back, man. It's been fun to have both of you here and to talk about all of these these this great, great things. Important things, yeah. too. Yes, yes. Andrea, thank you so much for coming on. Pleasure. Not only to talk about Alien Isolation, which I love, but just to be an advocate and hear you be an advocate for diabetes is such an important thing. Uh, I'm so appreciative that you're using your platform for that. It was an absolute pleasure getting to chat with you. The pleasure is all mine. Thank you so much for having me. And, and it's just been so much fun. Well, you know what the music means. Andrea, Lee, thank you. This was fun. It's time to get on out of here. We're going to be back next week. And I believe Sheer Terror is making her return uh, one way or the other, she's coming back, and I'm excited because we've got a very interesting topic we're going to discuss. But in the meantime, thank you for listening to today. Go to realbryanshow.com. Give Andrea some love. This is The Real Brian Show signing off. The Real Brian Show is a production of 514 Media at 514mediaempire.com.